0: Thank you for joining us. You're listening to the sermon ministry of the United Advent Christian Church in Wilmington, North Carolina, where we strive to love God with all that is in us, love our neighbor as ourselves, and make disciples of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. I hope you're blessed by this week's message. Please feel free to reach out to us if we can help you or serve you in any way. Thanks again. I'm going to invite you to turn with me uh, a couple places. The first is the great commandment, and that's found in Mark chapter 12, 29 to 31, the great commandment. And the second is found in the great commission, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, great commandment and great commission. Let's hear what the the word of the Lord has to say. Jesus says in Mark 12, 29 to 31, he says, uh, you know, and just to set the table, he's, he's being asked by, by a, a teacher, uh, what is the most important commandment? And, and uh, so we pick up in verse 29 and we see Jesus' response here. He says, The most important, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. That's Mark uh, 12, 29 to 31. And then Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus is gathered with his disciples. These are some of his final words uh, to them. And he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. I, I, uh, on a lighter note, I want to start out with the, I don't know if you ever heard the story of the, uh, the pig and, and the chicken. Uh, there's a pig and a hen and they're walking by uh, a church and uh, they, they just start speaking about, um, you know, some of the world's problems and, and, and how God put us here on earth to solve them. And the, uh, the chicken just is, is just kind of thinking out loud, and he says to the pig, or sh- I'm sorry, she says to the pig, she says, uh, you know, if your kind and my kind, if we got together and we just put all our energy uh, toward this task, we could feed breakfast to the whole world every day, uh, bacon and eggs, Right? And the pig, the pig turns to the chicken and says, for you, it's a contribution. For me, it's a total sacrifice, you know? And, and I think, you know, there's, there's a truth to, I, I think a lot of people, when it comes to their relationship with Jesus Christ, we want to think like the chicken. We want to think, well, Lord, is there, is there some small part of my life that I can just hand to you and, and get credit as being a follower of yours? But, you know, if you, if you press the teaching of Jesus Christ, if you follow Jesus' teaching through the Gospels, he doesn't call us to become just converts to the message of the Gospel. He calls us to become disciples, fully devoted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, there's actually a, a point in Jesus' teaching in his public ministry where he starts saying some hard things to his disciples. And we we see recorded in the gospel accounts that at that time there's a turn and many people begin to turn away from Jesus Christ. And I think what that joke is hinting at is that to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ is going to require that we sacrifice everything You know, Jesus says such things as whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find everlasting life. He says to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must take up his cross and follow me. You know, Jesus encourages us uh, over and over in the Gospels. He he basically uh, draws a line in the sand and he says, you don't get to choose how you follow me. It's all or nothing. I must be the greatest love in your life or I must not be a part of your life. That's a, that's a terribly difficult thing for us to grasp. But I want to talk to you about being fully devoted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. A, a number of years ago, uh, I, was, I was reading a book on... Um, on churches that are growing churches that are making an impact in the world around them and the name of the book is Simple Church by uh, Tom Rainer and Eric Geiger and uh, one of the things that they outlined they they did a study of a bunch of churches that were growing that were dynamic that were making an impact in the world around them and they try to just sift through the data and figure out what do these churches have in common And one of the things that the churches all had in common, and I think this is really worthy uh, of our attention this morning, is that all the churches that were growing and impactful had established, had taught on, and had implemented a simple process for making disciples. I think so often in church circles we have substituted busyness for faithfulness. You know, we, we, we take a step back and we look at all the programs that we have in place. We, have, uh, we, we, we look at all the, the meeting times we're filling up. It reminds me of the story of Mary and Martha. You know, Jesus says, she's doing the one thing that I've called her to. She's sitting at my feet. And I think sometimes we substitute busyness for faithfulness. And so, I, as I was kind of taking that all in a few years ago, I began to sift through the different attributes of what a disciple of Jesus Christ is. You know, and, and, and uh, I, I wanted to ask myself, what are some actionable steps that we can take If we're unsure of where we are in our relationship with Christ, if if uh, if if we if we know we love Jesus but we want to grow in him, so let me say it that way, what are some steps that I can take to, to dig deeper, follow Jesus more closely in my life? These are not steps that we take for salvation. I need to I need to just back up a step and say, I'm not saying you do these things and you're saved. I'm presupposing that we have given our hearts and our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And we might be asking, what's next? How do I glorify God in my life? How do we devote ourselves as a body of believers to making disciples? And as I begin to sift through the different attributes of disciples... What are they all about? What are their lives characterized by? I, I, uh, I came up with a number of categories, and, and, and I tried to streamline it and, and move things around until I, I just had, I came up with four seminal categories. These are four steps that I think we need to make as a point of emphasis as the Church of Jesus Christ. And I think if we'll do these steps, I think scripture uh, tells us the testimony of Scripture: If we'll do these things, the Lord will make an impact through us. We can't, we can't control the, you know, the outcome. We we can't, uh, you, you know, it's it's. I, I'm not, uh, I'm not totally a pragmatist and say we do these things and and, and we're guaranteed to, um, you know, bust a part of the seams. But, but I can almost guarantee that if we neglect these things, uh, we won't become. The, uh, the church that Jesus wants us to be. And uh, <clears throat> before we get into the first of the, these four steps, I want to say the one thing that this whole year of coronavirus and, and shutdowns and everything has taught me, if you boil it down to its essentials, we're not about meetings. We're not about yard sales and fundraisers. We're not about, we're not about all these things that we, we tend to occupy ourselves with. I think if you boil it down to the bare essentials, we realize what we've been left with the last year. Um, we, we're about gathering around the proclaimed word of God and we're, we're about growing in Christ and we're about devoting ourselves uh, to one another and, and making an impact in the world and so so let's uh, let's look at these four steps that I've I've laid out and uh, I, I, my prayer is that is that we'll we'll take these things seriously and we'll be about these things. The first thing that I saw and and, and I'm a preacher so I I came up with four words that all start with G. Okay. It was really cool um, a few years ago because 4G was all the rage. So it's the 4Gs. Well, now we have 5Gs. And I, I was kind of at a, you know, at a crossroads. Do I add a fifth step to be relevant or I'm just, I'm just going to, okay, for what it's worth, we'll just stick with four. Because I believe it It needs to be a simple process. There's a lot of things that I'm not going to mention And it's because I think they can be filed under each of these four areas. So the first step that we want to be about is gathering as God's covenant people. To gather. If we turn to the Great Commission, Jesus gives his disciples one central commandment in Matthew 28. He says, make disciples. And there are three, excuse me, because I was really weak in English, uh, in grammar and things like that, um, but I believe there are three participial phrases. And that is the most intellectual you'll ever hear me sound. <laughs> I really don't even know what participial phrases are. But there's three words that are in the ongoing text uh, tense. Um, so the one command is to make disciples. The three participial phrases are going, baptizing, and teaching. So if you want to learn how to make disciples, Jesus says... These are three, three priorities. So they happen to be three of the four that we're going to talk about. But the first one I want to focus on, it's, these are not in chronological order. I, he says, therefore, as you are going, it's in the ongoing tense, as you are going, make disciples. And then he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I, I noticed in our opening hymn this morning, the church's one foundation You notice we sang that that we are are one in Christ by water and the word. And so, baptism is a big deal. And I just want to say, if you've never been baptized as a believer in Jesus Christ, you know, this is not a non-essential, this is not a peripheral thing. Jesus says, We need to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the Great Commission has this step of baptism. And and you ask yourself, what is baptism all about? And it's it's a little bit of a stretch for us to understand this. Because in our day, baptism is something that your friends and family would probably celebrate. But there are some parts of the world where if you're baptized in Jesus Christ, you would lose everything. Think about that and and the first century followers of jesus christ that formed the 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 covenant church after his his uh, resurrection and ascension for many of them being baptized meant losing everything so what was this essential step all about and what we understand is that baptism is the act of publicly identifying with the body of jesus christ The church. Baptism is publicly identifying with the body of Christ. You know, I came across a quote years ago. It says, your relationship with Christ was intended to be personal, but it was never intended to be private. Think about that. Your relationship with Christ was intended to be personal, but it was never intended to be private. We are called to follow Jesus Christ Individually, yes, but essentially in community as well. Many of, the, uh, many of the commands in the New Testament that are addressed to us as the body of believers are in the plural. In New Testament Greek, there's an individual you and then there's a plural you. Growing up in New England, we didn't have that. I didn't know how to differentiate between you as one person and you as a group of people. So we would say things, crazy things like you guys, even if it was a, a group of ladies, you know. And then I moved to the South. And one of the first things that I ever latched on to in the Southern dialect is the word y'all. It just makes too much sense. Fixing to is is a good thing too. I mean, think about how many words you cut out. I'm getting ready to. And and some people have downsized it all the way to two symbols. finna. finna. I'm finna go to the store, you know? So but listen, th- this is actually this is actually an important thing for us to realize. Over and over again, when we're commanded to do things as the body of Christ in the new Tem- new testament, you know, the vast majority of the time, I would say 80% or greater of the time, we are committed to do these things together. So it might even be a step above y'all, it may be all y'all. So, but what we begin to realize is that Jesus has called us to be baptized in the body of Christ it means to take a public stand, a public declaration of our faith. We are identifying not just with Jesus as a personal believer, we are identifying with the body of Christ. So I cannot guarantee that coming to church on a regular basis will cause you to grow in Jesus Christ. But I can almost certainly guarantee neglecting the regular meeting of God's covenant people will hurt your relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you see how that works? We end up sabotaging our our relationship with Jesus Christ if we neglect to gather together. That's why the writer of Hebrews in chapter 10 says don't neglect the gathering together as some are in the habit of uh, of doing, and he says, encourage one another all the more as you see the day of, uh, of Jesus' uh, coming drawing closer. So we need to be committed to gathering. Now, I, I recognize that a lot of these thoughts are challenging today in this COVID environment. Essentially, we have, we have reckoned that. For the safety of others, maybe a really important thing, if, if, we, are, if we are sick or if we are uh, immunocompromised, I, I want to see that anybody that is tuning in online, I recognize for your own well-being, some of you may have to stay away right now. But I think we as the body need to make sure we're including them in our lives, in our conversations. Some of them are really struggling because they can't be here. And then there's another group. And um, I don't even know why I'm going into this because they're not here and they're probably not watching online either. There's a group of people that now have a socially acceptable reason to skip church. And some of the experts... uh, uh, church growth experts for what it's worth. No, none of us are doing a really good job at predicting the future, but one of the things that they're saying is that um, a lot of churches are going to be handicapped um, by by these habits that are forming in people's lives, and, and not for the short term, but for the long term. I hope that's not our, our situation, and so we need to create an environment where we're We're understanding that that there are some that can't be here, but we need to do everything we can to make sure we're encouraging them, that we're gathering with them, even if it's virtually. That's why we're, we're really trying to put a lot of effort and energy into making sure we're getting the word out because we want them to feel connected. But my hope is that this whole trip that we've been on this last year I pray uh, that we come roaring back from this and and that there's just a stronger than ever desire in people's hearts and in their lives to be part of something bigger, something greater that that, that they'll, you know, when we can get on the other side of COVID that that people will say um, so long to independence, so long to isolation. I wanna wanna be around people and I, I pray that we'll be able to take advantage of that. But as I said last week, uh, God's not calling us to just hunker down and wait for this to be over. So we're, we're actively trying to say, how can we encourage people to gather even if it's virtually right now? So um, that's the first commitment, to gather. And, and then this is supposed to be an overview. And in the next few weeks, we'll go into these um, in more detail. So I'm going to move a little f- faster as we go through the other three. So gather, grow, Okay. Notice in the Great Commission, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, you're to to, uh, go, as you're going, make disciples of all nations. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what's that next phrase? He says, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Um, What's interesting is the fruit of the Great Commission isn't just to make disciples. The fruit of the Great Commission is to make fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Disciples who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. You know, years ago, I was, I was listening to somebody talk about discipleship and, and they, they, uh, they cut open an apple. And do you know that in every apple, at a, at a DNA level, there's a potential orchard. <laughs> if you think about it, you cut open that apple, there's not just one seed. That apple doesn't just replace itself. But even as an apple ripens on a tree and there's nobody there to pick it and it falls to the ground, it rolls down the hill and it rots, those seeds are placed into the ground. And the fruit of an apple is not another apple. The fruit of an apple is an orchard. And I thought that was really powerful. That really moved me because God has called us not to just be, as I said earlier, converts to Jesus Christ, but that we would be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. It's in our very DNA as a church. One of the reasons the modern church is not making disciples is because we have achieved very little depth. I feel like the modern day church is a mile wide and an inch deep. And so God is calling us to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And there are some habits that, that we're called to. We're, we're called to be people of prayer. We're called to be people of the word. We're, we're, uh, we're called to be uh, people that use our gifts and our abilities to serve others. We're going to get to that in a second here. but I, I think one of the reasons we're not making disciples as, as a church, and, and I, I mean not just our church, but the whole American church, one of the reasons we're not making disciples is because many of us aren't disciples. Does that make sense? Disciples make disciples. So we're called to gather, we're called to grow, we're called to finally, uh, thirdly give and, and uh, I, I know pastors have a reputation as always wanting to tell people they need to give money. I'm not talking about money, okay? I'm not going to, that's getting the cart before the horse. In the Great Commandment, Mark 12, 29 to 31, Jesus is asked, which is the greatest commandment? And he says, well, there's one, but it's, it's double sided. <laughs> Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, Love your neighbor as yourself. And the uh, the experts in the law, they pressed him, Well, who's my neighbor? You remember that question? And do you remember Jesus' response? He responds with a parable. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And he says, basically, I'm gonna put it in modern terms, one one Sunday morning there's a preacher on his way to church. And he's driving along the road, and he looks over in the ditch, and there's a, there's a car down in the ditch. And he says, man, I'd really like to help that person, but I don't have time. I'm already late as it is. And he speeds on. A little while later, the choir director is on his way to church. Or, uh, we'll offend women. I'll say on her way to church, okay? And so she drives by this person that, that's their cars down in the ditch and she says man I'd really like to help that person but we we have to practice before church so so she she speeds on and then Jesus finally uh he tells his followers he uh, he says that finally there's a a samaritan that comes along this guy has been left in the ditch and he's been beat up and he's and he's all mangled Jesus says that the, the guy ends up being rescued by the Samaritan. He brings him somewhere and, and, and pays for his care and, and gets him back up on his feet. And Jesus says, which one of those three, the, the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan was the neighbor to that man? And, the, and the, the Pharisees and teachers of the law, they have to admit it's the Samaritan that is actively loving his neighbor. In the ultimate irony in Jesus' story, he makes the enemy of most Israelites the hero of the story. And we don't, that doesn't jump out at us like it would be his hearers. And Jesus is telling us something really powerful as, as, uh, as followers of Jesus Christ. He, want us, he wants us to understand, he says, if you want to know whether you really have truly grasped the gospel... It's not shown in loving people who love you back. It's shown in loving those who could never repay you. Because at the end of the day, the message of the gospel is what? That God came and intervened in our lives. We could never repay him. We could never do for him. And he has lavish grace upon grace upon grace. In a life that, in a life that loves people who are like us, look like us, think like us, and yet, if we, if, we, if we spew hate toward those who are different than us, we're showing at that moment that we're not thinking through the lens of the gospel. Yeah, I'm stepping on my own two, two feet as well. And so, we have to be about giving sacrificially to the world around us. Maybe a more compelling vision than growing our church, improving our church would be to improve our city, to improve the world around us, to improve the community around us. I think if we'll throw ourselves into that effort, in improving... And maybe we maybe it's a little too ambitious to improve the whole city but we can improve the part that God has placed us in and so what i want to challenge you to do over the next few weeks is as you as you are going through your week as you are going just allow god to open your eyes to the needs of those around you the message of the gospel is that god loved those who could never repay him. And I, I really believe that we're called to be a living, breathing demonstration of the gospel. So gather, grow, give, and then finally, the final step is to go. Jesus says, all authority in heaven on earth, Matthew 28, 18, is, is given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And what I want to say is that if we'll devote ourselves to this final step, not only to gather, grow, and give, but if we'll devote ourselves to go with the message of the gospel, we bring this whole process full circle, and God can start it over again in the life of someone else. The whole point of gathering regularly as as God's people and growing in our life is, Uh, in a life changing uh, connection with Jesus Christ growing in the word of God giving ourselves fully to the Lord in in, in lives of, of service and love and compassion is so that others would learn about the love of Jesus Christ the first three steps are not an end to themselves we 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 bring the process full circle when we go. And then I would, I would say, painted in a negative light, I would say if we fail to go and tell other people about the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, we short-circuit the process by which God wants to use us. I've said this before, God is calling us to be conduits of his love and mercy. Not cul-de-sacs, conduits. In Jesus' day and time, there was a large body of water um, that was central to the nation of Israel, and it's called the Sea of Galilee. And flowing out of the Sea of Galilee southward was a river that we've all heard of, the Jordan River. The Jordan River eventually empties out into another body of water. And you've probably heard of that one too. It's called the Dead Sea. You know why it's called the Dead Sea? The mineral content in the Dead Sea is so... Uh, so extreme that no life can grow in that water. And we ask the question, well, what caused that situation? And and the reason the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea is because the, 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 uh, the surrounding area is higher than that one body of water. So the only way that water can escape the Dead Sea is to evaporate. So what I'm saying is, Water flows into the Dead Sea, but it doesn't flow out. And because of that, it's called the Dead Sea. It's dead. There can be no life in it. And I would tell us, if, if we as a church, if we allow God's love and, and his compassion and his grace and his mercy to flow into our lives, and yet we refuse to allow that love to flow out of us, we will become a dead and stagnant church and there will be very little use for us from God in this world. So I don't want to be a stagnant church. I want to be a church that is living. I want to be a church that is active. I want to be a church that is making an impact in the world around us. The whole reason Jesus gave himself to us is so that we would discover the joy of knowing him And that we would spread that joy to everyone around us by making him known. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we thank you um, for everything that you have done to intervene in our lives. And as we consider this process to gather as your covenant people, to grow in your word, to grow in prayer to grow in, in infusing all areas of our lives with our faith. As we begin to look at the world around us with a new set of eyes and, and begin to wonder how, how we're being called by God to give our lives as, as an act of worship. And then finally, as we contemplate Lord, who you have placed in our lives so that we can be a living, breathing demonstration of the love of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that we would be committed, that we wouldn't just put our toe in the water, but that we would dive in and that we would become fully devoted followers of you, the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that if there's anyone here in my hearing or tuning in online today that uh, has never initiated this relationship with Jesus Christ, that today would be the day that they come forward. I'd be glad to pray with them or I'd be glad to counsel them here or, or online um, through a phone call and, and help them to understand what it, become, what it means to be a, a follower of Jesus Christ, what it means to surrender our lives to him. And Lord, for the rest of us who have taken that step and, and maybe we've grown stagnant in the years that have transpired since then, I pray that you would reignite within our hearts a passion for your glory and for the good of our fellow believers and the world around us. Lord, use us as instruments of your grace and peace, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.